Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Higher Ground with Julian King. Yeah, hello everyone, Julian King with you on Higher Ground. Just gone 10pm on the east coast of Australia. Uh, great to have your company this evening, 1170 SEN in Sydney, 1620 on the Gold Coast and wherever you're tuning in across the entire planet via the SEN app. Here to entertain you for the next couple of hours. Mulchie's here as well, my open line number one three hundred zero one eleven seventy, and the text line... 0457-736-736. Simon McLaughlin is the deputy editor of the Daily and Sunday Telegraph. He'll join me shortly to look at the back page of tomorrow's telly. Alex will put me under the blowtorch again with agree to disagree. Well, have you heard, as you just heard, the Sydney Kings are the NBL champions. Congratulations to them. They have swept the Jack Jumpers 3-0 in the best of five series. They claim game three tonight. At Kudos Bank Arena, 97-88 to 88 in the process, their fourth NBL championship. They've ended a 17-year drought, the Kings. 17-year drought. A bit too long between drinks for a big team like that. And they did it in style. Congratulations to the entire organisation, all the owners, everyone involved, Chris Pondgrass, Paul Smith. Chase Beaufort was excellent, wasn't he? I just did a quick Google. How old is he? He's 33. He's 33. The youngest winning coach, Chase Buford, in championship history. Stellar result for him. Uh, congratulations to all the players, of course. And they did it without MVP Jalen Adams. Xavier Cooks is the grand final MVP. Record crowd too. Over 16,000 at the Kingdome. So well done to all involved and, and well done to everyone for getting out there and really embracing this sport. We shouldn't also let the sweep detract from the stunning first season for the Jack Jumpers. You know, when... They were brought into the competition. People, what the hell's a jack jumper? It's like an angry ant. Yeah, okay, no problem. I don't think anybody thought they'd be playing in the grand final. No one thought that. So in their first season to make the grand final series was a remarkable achievement. And yes, they got swept, but don't let that detract from what they've done this season. Scott Roth, the coach, has done outstanding work. Basketball numbers are soaring. They are really soaring. It's been the best season for some time. And I do stress, folks, if you haven't been out to a game for a while, it was about 20 years, I reckon, for me. 20 years, and Joe Healy said, no, 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 sort that out. So I went out to the final game of the regular season, the Kings and the Hawks. Brilliant, just brilliant. Wonderful fan day experience. And I'll tell you what, outside of the NBA, I think now it's probably the best competition on the planet. And NBA clubs are realising that and they're using it as a really good breeding ground. We saw that with Lamelo Ball with the Hawks last season. We're going to see more of it. 0457 736 736. We've got some boxing action tonight. Paul Gallant and Chris Terzievsky. This is 10 rounds. This clash for the Australian and Australasian heavyweight title. Harry Garside has just won his fight against Leighton McFerrin. So he retains his Australian lightweight title, Harry Garside. It was a seventh-round stoppage in the end. The ref stopped it after McFerrin absorbed some tremendous punishment through rounds six and seven. He's a ripper bloke, Harry. He's a real ripper bloke, the Olympic bronze medalist. So another win for him. It, sure, it wasn't that long ago we had a fight, Harry Garside. And about to step in the ring now, we have Nikita Zhu. 
against Mason Smith. This is a six-rounder for a super welter or super welterweight division, I should say. Now, a stack of NRL news about ahead of Magic Round. Of course, SEN is the place to be. It's the Green Acres. SEN is the Green Acres when it comes to Magic Round rugby league coverage. Unparalleled, unrivaled. You heard it here first. Non-stop coverage from Brizia. Hopefully, the team up there take their umbrellas, their raincoats, and their wellies because it is going to tip down. And that surface is going to take an absolute battering. I wonder where the track boss would be down the middle, you think. You don't want to play on the Sunday. Anyway, we'll wait and see. Now, one man who used to live in Brisbane is Anthony Milford. He's back. He's officially back. Milford, as reported in the News Corp press, Milford will be given the green light to make his Newcastle debut next week. Funnily enough, against all teams, the Brisbane Broncos, his former club. So Andrew Abdo is going to rubber stamp his registration. Now, his impending return against the Bronx on Thursday, we, uh, that's a real boost for the Knights. You know that they've been decimated by injuries and they've slid down that NRL ladder. Now, to recap, the future of Milford had been in limbo for the past seven months after he was hit with charges for assault and willful damage following a wild night out in Brisbane in, in September. Ultimately cleared Milford of assault charges last month, but the NRL ordered the ex-Queensland Origin starter undergo counselling and anger management courses before they would consider ratifying his Newcastle contract. From all reports, he's done everything asked of him and more. He's taken to them well. And Abdo's ready to welcome back. And he did confirm, Abdo, that he's on the verge of coming back to the top flight now with the Knights. And he said, we'll formalise things with Anthony and the Knights. Definitely on course to be playing in the NRL. The reports I've had back are that Anthony is progressing well participating in all the sessions, and there's a solid program that's underway. So they, these educational welfare programs are very tailored to each individual circumstances. And, and you know that Abdo's previously taken a, a hard line on Milford, and not the only one, particularly around the code's zero-tolerance attitude when it comes to violence towards women. And if Abdo thinks he's learned his lesson, I'm okay with that. So they think he'll start at 5-8. Uh, that clash, by the way, at McDonald Jones Stadium. So, you know, what sort of partnership can he form with Caelan Ponga? Reportedly settled in well. Would I go so far as to say trading the house now? Probably. Good luck to him. You know the thing about Milford, it's it's so hard to believe he's only 27. It's like he's been around for eternity. I remember this young hotshot playing for the Raiders. He's electric, so watch out for this kid. He's only 27. And you could, you could make a case that plays don't hit their prime to their 27. Feels like he's been around forever, A. Eh, Milford? Maybe, just maybe he can invigorate his career at the Knights because I tell you what, Newcastle, well, they could well do with a, a vintage Anthony Milford right about now. 0457 736 736. A real shame about Pappenhausen doing his hammy, isn't it? What a shame. Because on form, he's, he's arguably the most watchable player in rugby league. Would love to have seen him line up against Penrith. He's also going to be unavailable for Origin 1 as well. I'm not sure he would have been picked. People sort of talk about Pappenhausen as, oh, he guaranteed he was going to be in the side. Well, well not at fullback. Great player. Is he your best option at 14? You, you think there are better options for 14 than Pappenhausen? Hind springs to mind. Anyway, it's a moot point now. He's not going to play. Hey, hey, what did you make? This has been talked about a bit today. 
I first saw it was Tony Adams. He prides himself the mole on breaking stories. And this was about Munster to the Roosters, and I rolled my eyes. He wrote, the Roosters will have a massive ace up each sleeve if they decide to make a move on rugby league's most wanted man, Cameron Munster. And he sort of hinges it on this, the fact that the tricolours were struggling a bit for continuity in the halves and Walker and Keary weren't clicking. They were pretty good last week. So why would Munster go to the Roosters? And this is a theory. The big spending Roosters have already signed one Melbourne superstar in Brandon Smith, a close mate of Munster. I think maybe they need some, some time apart. And secondly, Munster's manager, Braithen Nastor, played most of his football at the Roosters. He's close to club supremo Nick Politis, another big plus for the club. Munster to the Roosters. Do you buy it? Don't buy it. You know what? As, as Webby Andrew Webster told Matty White this morning, th- this rumour surfaced last week. Webby didn't even bother picking up the phone and ringing anyone at the Roosters because he said it was just it was garbage. Trent Robinson, their coaches, denied it. I mean, look, denials is not, does not necessarily mean it's not true. But I would be stunned if Cameron Munster ends up at Bondi. I'll say this. I'll say this. Uh, nice work by the manager to start a bidding war. Like saying, oh, yeah, Brisbane are interested. He won't go to Brisbane. It's Dolphins or Melbourne. That's it. And you think Melbourne are up the ante, as we said on Monday night, as Brent Reid reported, well, they're ready to come back to the table. Maybe give them an extra year. Now, just away from league for a moment, we spoke on Monday about the resurgence of Australian super rugby sides. And a few people have chimed in, including Sonny Bill, and he's well-placed to comment. This is in the Nine Papers today by Tom Deeson. He said, look, he's pleased to see a resurgence of the teams, and including a happier Waratah side. He shocked him a couple of weeks ago. But there's always a caveat, and he is a Kiwi, believes Kiwi sides are still the top dogs before a blockbuster round of Trans-Tasman matches. So there's three rounds of the Super Rugby Pacific remaining. Three Aussie teams. You've got the Brumbies in second, the Tars in fifth, the Reds in sixth. Sitting nicely inside that, inside that top six. The Brumbies are the team that people are talking about. They've won three on the trot against Kiwi opponents. The Tars beat the Crusaders last month. And Aussie rugby fans are starting to think, well, maybe we've turned a corner here. We've got some, someone and something to cheer for. But i tell you what, though, big round coming up. The Brumbies host the Crusaders. The Reds go to Auckland, which is the toughest road trip in the entire competition. They're the competition favourites. Then the Waratahs are looking to make it three straight. They tackle the Hurricanes, albeit now, can we call it Fortress Leichhardt, the eighth wonder? I think we can. That match Saturday night. So not quite a new dawn, as SBW says. I'm inclined to agree, but things are looking up. Things are looking up. I think Sonny Bill said, I think the Kiwis are still in a time and space of dominance. Well, yeah. But, but... You want to see the Aussie teams going well. It must be boring for New Zealand teams to thrash us all the time. They probably never get sick of it. But, you know, when you think of the big picture and rugby improving at an international level, well, it helps everyone if Australian teams are better. It just does. Now, a really interesting article, I don't know if anybody caught this, and maybe you didn't because it's not cricket season. I know you've got the IPL on at the moment. But Ben Horn had this in the News Corp papers. And it's about internationals being available for domestic T20 tournaments. It's a problem that won't go away. And in particular, as these tournaments become more popular and they expand. So two things in cricket that don't go together, as Ben Horn writes, cluttered international schedules and massive 
Indian Premier League pay rises. And the more we see the the proliferation of these tournaments, well, you're going to squeeze the international schedule more and more. So Australia have a a problem on their hands. They're in a bit of a bind because they've got a really busy year coming up. And you go, okay, just tell the players, have, have a rest from the IPL. Yeah, okay. And you can earn maybe a million bucks. You're just going to say, no, I'll rest. Thanks. How realistic is that? Because I tell you what, the IPL's about to sign a new TV rights deal. They reckon it's going to be in excess of $7 billion. $7 billion. Got Austin Powers flashback there. Which could double or even treble their... Massive wages. There's no way out. So this window at the moment, the IPL, April and May, it, it shapes as the only chance of players to, I guess, get a proper breather amid this massive international calendar. You've got tours to India, England, South Africa, a one-day international World Cup. But you need to accept now that the cricket world revolves around the Indian Premier League. So you've got somebody like Mitchell Stark who... I guess is an exception to the rule that he's the one that's constantly said no and knocked back overtures from the IPL and decided not to play. But he's a rarity. It's not hard to understand why. So if the mail is true that the IPL player wages are set to skyrocket in the next TV rights deal, well then players earning two to four mil for six weeks work could become commonplace. And that's going to change the face of international cricket. It, it can't not change the face of international cricket. So this is really interesting, right? This is one suggestion. As Horn writes, it sounds ridiculous, but paying players to take a holiday instead of going to the IPL could be a smart play for Australia next year. What about that as an option? What about that? Obviously, there's no way Cricket Australia can compete with the mega dollars that the IPL throw at the players, but... If there are financial incentives that Cricket Australia can offer players to sit out of the IPL next year, or at least part of it, it's worth having a chat about. And that might be as simple as offering more generous multi-year central contracts, so more security across the year if you choose country over cash. Thankfully, Australian players still choose country over cash by and large. But I tell you what, that carrot dangled in front of their face... And you're going to see a shift in the sort of players that are starting to be developed. So the next generation coming through, they see the cashola. They become T20 specialists, white ball specialists. What about that? Cricket Australia paying players to rest. Because it's the brave new world we live in. You can't stop the juggernaut. Because if your governing body doesn't look after you, the only thing you're going to get out of that, born out of that, is a rise of renegade players. Freelancers and guns for hire. That's what happened with Kyron Pollard, one of the all-time great T20 players. Never played a test match for the West Indies, Kyron Pollard. Not one. Now, their centralised contract system is a basket case. Their board haven't looked after their players and they've paid them peanuts. So I can understand that. But it happened in England too. Owen Morgan was one person that said no to a centralised contract and said, no, I'm going to play white ball cricket. He's, he's got one since then. He's the white ball captain. But England actually moved the start of the county championship to allow their players to share in the spoils of the RPL. They had no choice. Because all of a sudden, if they didn't, they'll go, well, guess what? We're going to go to India. You may have a thought on that tonight, 0457 736 736. Just before we take a break and catch up with Simon McLaughlin, did you make much out of this about Jerome Hughes, uh, 
mocking the Mount Druitt roots of certain Penrith Panthers players. But what about Hughesy? Yeah, look, I feel better. I was drunk. I don't really remember it. That, that was the excuse. <laughs> what other card can you play, though, really? So Steve Crichton, I mean, they're very proud, Crichton and Toto, these sorts of guys. Luai's another one that are from that area. Didn't take too kindly to the mocking, nor should they. Nor should they. And this video was filmed during the Storm's 2020 Premiership celebrations. And then that footage was later used by Penrith as inspiration for their prelim final victory over Melbourne last year. Well, that was Melbourne's worst game of the season. And this was nice from Cameron Sorallo, the, the next cab off the rank. And when it comes to NRL coaches, you need to protect where you come from. Anyway, Melbourne, Penrith, Saturday night. This is the top shelf clash at Magic Round of Brisbane. I just said I just said that Hughes played that card. Oh, I don't really remember it. Yeah, it's obviously a couple of days in the drink. Can't really remember the full extent of the video. Well played, Hughesy. Straight bat. Straight bat. It's not cool. He says, I didn't mean to disrespect anyone or any area. It's not cool, that kind of stuff. If you won the grand final, you're good enough. Who cares about who you're beating? Why would you waste your time and energy on the opposition's players? I don't understand that. I remember distinctly when Alfie was singing St. George Can't Play. And it upset me. So I admired Alfie greatly as a footballer. I thought that was just unnecessary. I didn't like it. It was all very uncivilised. Blame the drink. Blame the memory loss. Own it. Apologise it. For it, and don't do it again. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. If you want to give me a shout, 1300 01 1170. We are underway for a Wednesday night. You're on high ground. Great to have your company this Wednesday night. 1300 01 1170, the open line number, and the text line 0457 736 736. Uh, Nikita Zoo has absolutely smashed Mason Smith in less than a round. So he's 2 and 0 to start his professional career. He called himself the Butcher. He said, well, Tim Zoo is getting all the accolades, and rightly so. More of a surgeon, I'm more of a butcher, and he smashed his opponent. This was a super welterweight bout. And earlier tonight, the Olympic bronze medalist, Harry Garside, defeated Leighton McFerrin via a seventh-round stoppage, and Garside retains his Australian lightweight title. OK, let's have a look at what's on the back pages of tomorrow's Daily Telegraph with Simon McLaughlin, the deputy sports editor. He's on the line right now. Simon, good evening. Uh, yeah, good evening, Jules. We're... Uh pulling that back page apart several times tonight and uh, putting it together again. There's so much live sport happening um, with the Kings and all the boxing. So, yeah, it's a really uh, busy night and some good reading tomorrow. Well, let's start with the Kings. I mean, it's it's a story, really, I think, of the evening. 3-0 over the Jank Jumpins. They are now NBL champions for the first time in 17 years. Yeah, it's... Look, there's a lot of time and effort goes into making sure the Sydney Kings are competitive. you if you were watching, you might have seen um, Andrew Bogut and Luke Longley on the court sharing the celebrations with the team, and they're sort of both involved in various different ways, Bogut ownership and, and Longley coaching. So there's, a, there's quite a few big, big players, um, you know, off the court involved. Um, you know, I think the NBL has always viewed uh, the Kings as one of the great underachievers. So for them to come out and win it... Um, tonight is, is, is as big news for the NDL as it is for uh, the Kings. There's always rumours uh, of another uh, Sydney team coming into the NDL, so that probably strengthens that cause a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's what they want, don't they? You know, it's like rugby league want a strong Brisbane team. The NBL want a strong Sydney team. 
Yes, 17 years is far too long between drinks for a, a city of this calibre. But, you know, the investment of Bogut with the involvement of people like Longley, I mean, you've got his, this young up-and-coming coach and Chase Buford, uh, really sound investment. There's 16,000, over 16,000 there tonight, and they've had record runs. They're just, they've recruited really savvily the Kings. And, and I tell you what, mm. off the back of that, basketball is, is on the up-and-up in this country. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was a record crowd tonight, and um, uh, it's, it shows a few other struggling sports what can be achieved. You know, I, I wonder if the um, guys running the A-League look on to what's happened with the NBL. It's, it's um, you know, it's, it's similar. There's similar competitions in a way where you've got this dominant foreign league, the NBA, where everyone knows that's the top league and everyone sort of can see that's the top standard. But, uh, you know, I don't think people don't in, in, enjoy the NBL any less because it's not as good as the NBA. But uh, and it's a sort of a similar vibe to European football and and the A League. But uh, it's the, the two very different sorts of stories at this point in time. I guess, I'm gathering Matty Logue's excited by the fact that basketball might feature on the back page of tomorrow's Daily Telegraph, Simon. <laughs> he he would be very excited. Uh, I'm just these stories are just rolling in on my email. As we speak, we've yeah. got um, uh, Xavier Cooks, you know, linked to the NBA. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, you know, apparently the Dennis Rodman of the NBL. We've got um, the Jack Jumpers coach being linked to a move to Japan. So there's quite a few different storylines out of tonight's game other than Team A betting Team B. Yeah, it's just on Xavier Cooks. So I could be mistaken. Was it Josh Giddy who tweeted the other night that Xavier Cooks should be in the NBA? I'm sure that, I'm, that, I'm that going off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, yeah. yeah. I'm just looking it up now. Xavier Cooks needs to be in the NBA, and that comes from Josh Giddy. You know, he'd be a pretty decent judge yeah. in, on that front. Absolutely. Well, he plays defense, which a lot of the NBA players don't bother yeah. with. So that's a very that's good a point. Good start. That's, a, that's a very good point. Well done to the Sydney Kings. You remember when they were in all sorts of bother and they had the nickname the Violet Crumbles? You might have remembered that on the oh, back page absolutely. 20 years ago, yes. Well, I'm glad they're not. Yeah. Go the Kings. Like I said, I went to my first game in about 20 years, um, a few weeks back. A wonderful fan day experience. They, they do that thing so well. They engage the crowd. There's there, there's so much energy in the room. It's hard not to get involved in it. So well done to the Sydney Kings oh, and the entire organisation and Pongrass and Smith and the rest of them. Now, uh, this is interesting. A lot of chat about the Dolphins and, and they can't land that marquee man. I know they've got a couple of good ones from the Cowboys. And then mm. the name Munster continually gets linked to them. But they have another marquee man in their sights. That's not 1C Munster. That's right. Stephen Crichton from the Penrith Panthers. Now, this is a case of the Panthers just having so much amazing talent on their books that they just can't keep all of them. And it may well fall that Crichton is the one who gets squeezed out of that really, you know, megastar backline that's got Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai. Um, they're on long-term deals. And they've also got uh, James Fisher-Harris and Isaiah Yo on pretty big long-term deals. So Crichton's $600,000 a year contract ends next season. So at at this point in time, the Dolphins have circled him as a player of interest. Ah. He's, he's basically a vulnerable player in terms of his contract system uh, situation. Sorry, um, 
and that they could probably give him a $300,000 a year pay rise to come to the Dolphins, play fullback. He'd probably have to play fullback on that sort of money. Um, and in the paper tomorrow, we've kind of got the Dolphins team list as it stands right now, and it's pretty bereft of big names. Yeah. You've got the Bromwich brothers in the pack and Felice Cafusi in the pack and uh, Ray Stone, who I think people uh, got to, to love at Penrith, uh, sorry, at Parramatta. Mm. Um, Milford, who you talked about earlier on, who's coming back from Knights, will be there next year. But other than that, there's not much else. And so a name like Stephen Crichton would be that star power that they're mm. missing. You know what? Centers don't have the pulling power they once did in the game, do they? You talked about yeah, if you go there, not. we'd probably chuck him at fullback. You know, everybody wants to be a fullback because it comes with the fullback paycheck, but they can't always make that transition because it's a very different role. So that Connolly, Lemuelu, not bad, Tom Gilbert. And you mentioned their Penrith. I mean, remember they took um, uh, Katoa, Isaiah Katoa, their young halfback prodigy, 18-year-old kid. Yeah. They signed him. And Penrith, and they were as big hoo-ha about it. And so, well, you're, you're basically pillaging our, our local juniors, but you're right, you can't keep them mm. all. You know, all's fair in love yeah. and war when you're trying to build a new team. Um, I don't know. I just, they need that marquee man. They missed out on Ponga. Hey, what, what's your two cents when it comes to Munster? Do you think he's going to stay at Melbourne, Simon? Uh, I tend to agree with you. It's either Melbourne or, or the Dolphins. Um, Paul Kent wrote a really good column about this yesterday where um, these sorts of rumours where a big-name player is linked to the Roosters and everyone rolls their eyes, the problem is the reporters can't completely ignore it because there's been too many times in the past where it's happened. Tedesco uh. has ended up there. Cooper Cronk ended up there. No one thought Cooper Cronk would go to the Roosters. No one thought Sonny Bill would end up there. He ended up there. So it keeps happening. So while... It's probably right to, the instinct's probably right to feel a bit sceptical about it. I think people just tend to, you know, have to keep half an eye on it in case, you know, um, Nick Pilotis finds a way. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's likely, but, you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah, he'll be there with Payne Haas and every, everyone will be saying, what a farce, what a farce. Hey, just back yeah. to the basketball quickly. Uh, John writes on the text line, Cook scores more than Rodman but can defend 1-5 and grab rebounds. I see the similarity. <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to marry anyone in one day in his Vegas. So. He's a bit better too. Yeah. Well, yeah, Longley, given the ins and outs of what it's like to play with Robin and what sort of player he is. Now, uh, we mentioned there Craig Bellamy in the Melbourne Storm. Uh, we're still waiting on whether he's going to take up a contract extension there in Melbourne. But you've got an article tomorrow. You're rating every coach's value on the open market. Yeah, exactly right. This is a really fun exercise. So... Um, from one through to 17, because we've got all the current coaches and Wayne Bennett in there as well, who's obviously uh, not an NRL coach till next year. Um, disappointingly, Trent Barrett is ranked 17th, which in a 16-team comp is, is a tough <laughs> love for, for Trent. <laughs> uh, and Craig Bellamy, of course, is ranked number one. Mm. So uh, we've come Bennett, up with who's, who's two? values. Who's two, Bennett or Robbo? Robbo. We've got Robbo ranked as number two. Yeah. He's People wonder why, um, you know, who'd be mad enough to become a, an NRL coach? Well, when you see what some of these guys earn every year, you might think again. Uh. So 
we've got Trent Robertson listed as earning $900,000 a year. If he was to go on the open market, we think he'd be a $1.3 million a year man. Yeah. So he is one of the big hot... He could, he could name his price, I would say. But, but Bellamy could end up being a $2 million man um, for how long, who knows. But um, him, Trent Robinson, Ivan Cleary is third. Wayne Bennett is fourth. And Brad Arthur, that might be controversial to some people, but is fifth. That's fascinating. Considering it, I mean, there was a lot of chat about Brad Arthur losing his job at Parramatta last season. And the talk was if they didn't make a prelim, they were going to punt him. But And, and guess what? He didn't make a prelim, but his side put up a really good showing against the eventual premiers in Penrith. So you couple that with the fact that there actually wasn't any big-name coach on the market, and that probably saved Brad Arthur. Yeah. And he's, he's a lovely guy, Brad Arthur, and I'm, I'm glad to see the Parramatta side do so well this year. But... You know, outside of that, I mean, who are the next in, in waiting? That's the thing. I mean, you're going to go back to a Paul mm. Green. Everyone talks about Seraldo is probably the next cab off the rank. Christian Wolf's been mentioned in dispatches as well. But yes. it does look a bit skinny on the ground, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It's the same names who keep getting brought up. Christian Wolf and Seraldo always come up. Paul Green's probably the most likely, isn't he, um, given he's actually a, a premiership winner, coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, the, look, the guy on this list that has impressed me, and it, with, he's got a big arrow, upward arrow next to his name, is um, Todd Payton, who mm. had a huge question mark over him last year, but has really turned things around at the Cowboys. So he might, he, he's probably, um, you know, this is a speculative exercise, but we'll say if they went on the open. Fun, it's tomorrow, fun, isn't it? Ah, oh, you're kidding. Yeah, he's, not, he's, he's not worth he's a millish bloke. He's worth yeah. what somebody, you know what, it, it, coaches or players, they're worth what somebody's willing to pay for them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, Todd Payton. Flanner's the other one, I suppose, we haven't mentioned too, as a potential coach in waiting. Is he allowed to coach again, Flanner? Is that he's finished yet? Yes. Right, yeah, he he's allowed to coach. He's, uh, his name gets popped up uh, with the Bulldogs quite often, obviously, oh, because yeah. his son's laugh back there. So. That is true. Well, you're a doggies man. Would you take him? Uh... Possibly. Ahead of the 17th ranked coach, according to the Daily Telegraph, <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> yes, no, he couldn't do any worse at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, I, can, I can confirm that I had to do a late change to a page for first edition where Anthony Albanese uh, tips in our League Central lift out. And yes. uh, he uh, had a, needed a late change, changing from the Knights to the Bulldogs. So there you go. Did he? The potential uh, future Prime Minister of yeah, Australia. What does he know, Albo? Well, you know he's a mad South fan. I, I can just imagine his first speech to Parliament as a Prime Minister just you know, giving us a history lesson on Elwyn Walters or something. And I, for one, would welcome that. <laughs> Very good. Mate, always generous with your time. Thank you so much. We'll let you go. We'll catch all of those stories in the Daily Telegraph tomorrow. Thanks, George. There he is. Simon McLaughlin, the Deputy Editor of the Daily Telegraph, 0457 736 736. You better take a break and back with plenty more. This is Higher Ground with Julian King. Paul Gallen and Chris Terzievsky, 10 rounds for the Australian and Australasian heavyweight title. Earlier tonight, Harry Garside smashed Leighton McFerrin via seventh round stoppage. Uh, Rest stopped it after McFerrin 
copped a, a handful of punishment through round six and seven. Harry Garside in the process retains his Australian lightweight title. Nikita Zoo, the butcher, he just, well, I can't say destroyed. I said that twice. What's a good word for butcher? He's carved up Mason Smith. He's chopped him up in less than a round. It was a six-round fight. Super welterweight was a division. Uh, yes, he's toweled him up. So, Gallant v. Terzievsky. Now, interestingly, Gal thinks it potentially could be his last fight. And he said, well, look, you know, it's, oh, I do think about all the head knocks I've copped as a league player and a boxer, and I'm 41 now, and recovery takes longer. And he doesn't need the cash anymore, does he, Gal? And the thing about your family, I think he told that to... I think I read that in the Herald today, article with Adrian Prashenko. So, oh, I hope he does. He's nothing left to prove. I think he actually has been good for boxing this country because he's not a blow-in. He's, he's clearly pretty good at the craft, Paul Gallum. 0457 736 736, let's do this. The finger thing means to taxes. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. Mulchy, I love it. Good evening to you. Good evening, Jules. Good to be back with you on a Wednesday, as yes. always. Uh, likewise, yeah, you know. How, who cannot perk up after hearing That's a bit right. of Ned Flanders? I remember well, exactly. that episode, yeah. What a fantastic piece of writing that is. Mm. What a fantastic, what a beautifully crafted episode that is. I, I went to St Pius the 10th College in Chatswood and our Deputy Prime Minister, Mr Olsen, and he very quickly earned the nickname Flanders. I kid you not, he looked like him. He had the glasses, the brown hair, the moustache, but he always wore a green jumper, like a green sweater. Was he as kind as Ned? Well, it was a Catholic school, so dare I say he was <laughs> as religious or close to being as religious. No, he was a good fella. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jim Olsen, if you're listening, a uh, very good evening to you. Okay, let's get underway. Go. And you, you've stolen my first point. You're almost talking about it already. Mm. Okay, my first agree to disagree. This won't be Paul Gallen's last fight. Disagree. I reckon it you will. You think be. it will? Yeah, if he, if he wins. Can't, oh, actually, I don't know. You know, I'm going to say disagree. I reckon he's done. He loves cash. That he does. From that he does. From go. stories. No, that's true. I, I oh, think it's true. Is. And he's so. He's you reckon so he's got one more in him? I reckon he he's got a couple he more might. in him. Yeah, maybe. Sonny Bill says, turns around and finally says, "Gal, that'll never happen." That far. no, it won't. They want to grind the pay packet. So you know what? That's a tentative disagree. Okay. Yep. Number two, the NBL Championship, which the Sydney Kings have brought home tonight, mm. defeating the. Jack Jumpers won all five games of their final series. No losses. Will be the only piece of national sporting silverware residing in Sydney at the end of the year. Oh, jeez. You know, you give me ones where I've got to think about. Well, this is a... So, to, to, you know, if Penrith don't win the comp... So, there you know, Maybe Melbourne... Um, obviously, Sydney FC can't... Uh, no. Uh, you know, I, I, no, I can't say that confidence. I'll say... Disagree. I don't know. Swans are a chance too. Yeah, Jim, it's Melbourne and the rest at the moment, but Mm. strange. Any given Sunday, as they say. Frio? Frio. They're they're playing nice footy. (laughs) They're playing very nice footy, Frio. I'll say disagree. No, I I reckon, you know, with with Penrith, a red hot chance, so I wouldn't say there's any confidence. Disagree. Okay, this has got some qualifiers, the third one. Mm. Sydney will host a magic round across two stadiums in the next. Three years. Disagree. Disagree. You Disagree. don't think they'll host across two stadiums? Nope. Why not? I don't think they'll host it. You don't think Sydney will host it full stop? No. Nope. Despite how desperately they want it? They shouldn't. They will have the they money to give to Peter Blanders. They Blanders. don't deserve it. People don't understand, but the, It'll be a disaster in Sydney. You're making the general 
you're making the common sense argument, Julian. How often does that? <laughs> it's very uncommon. Win in say. sport. It's very uncommon. Yeah. How often does that win out? I've gone through disagrees. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Is a bit of a simpler one. Now I'm throwing darts. By the way, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I will be. I've logged all this. Mm. I'll be digging it up when you. Please. Yeah. Inevitably. Put it in a time capsule. Um, quarter pounder over a Big Mac. Disagree. You... Disagree. <laughs> Big Mac's the gold standard. <laughs> I don't mind. You know, every now and then I throw a quarter pounder in. It's like the wedding crashes. Yeah, you know, he does funerals. The contra funerals. Every now and then I still throw a wedding in. Mm. Now, nah, Big Mac's numero uno for me. The controversial, my sort of mistress going to Macca's is your mistress. The fillet of fish. I'll flow that. Well, it's a in. good Fridays. A very... It's day to shine, isn't it? The fill out <laughs> of fish, but it... that's one out of left field. But yeah, I wouldn't mind the definitely bringing not. back the McFeast every now and then. Oh, that that'll agree bad, with yeah. you. That's an agree. I don't that... mind an El Maco every now and then too. El Maco, come back. very good. With yeah. the, the other ones with the the pineapple and the beetroot. No, 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 no. That's some Hawaiian. El Maco's kind of that kind of uh, uh, Mexican style. <sighs> yes, very good. So no, big Chipotle. Mac for me. Mm. That sort of thing. Okay, final one. French Open. I'm very excited for the tennis. I love the majors. Rafael Nadal won't win his 14th, 14th Roland Garros. See, this is tough. I mean, everyone's looking at Carlos Alcaraz, right? Second in the line of betting. Mm. It won't be Novak. It's got to be those one of those two. It has mm. to be one of those two. And Alcaraz beat him just he last did. week. Having said that, I... I think Rafa's got one more in him, and I think this is it. I think you might. I think you might be right. I, yeah. I kind of don't, but I, I. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be. You couldn't rule. You never rule Rafa out on clay, and you never potentially. Rule him out He's got never rule biggest him out heart I've seen of any tennis player. Yeah. Biggest heart I've seen. Thirteen major. Thirteen of one major. Yeah, for a king of clay. Unbelievable. Mm. All right. Happy Excellent. with that? Yeah, you like Happy that? Happy to agree and dis. Well, I think we disagreed on. Or five. You know what I'm going to do when I take the next ad break? Mm. We're going to discuss this again. I'll probably change half my answers. <laughs> As best you can do, halving five. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. You're on high ground. Yeah, I just want to feel alive with you. This is Higher Ground with Julian King. The opening couple of rounds. Gallon's nose has opened up. Bit of blood on the schnoz. He comes on the attack. He's chasing out. He got a nice little one-two finish to the body. But as I said, we've got to fight. If he loses, I reckon that's it for Gal. Now, as part of our agree to disagree, we shall wait and see. Earlier tonight, wins to Nikita Zoo and Harry Garside. one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. Hello, Harry. Hello, Julian. Uh, uh, today we had the quiz of all aged care uh, homes oh, in yeah. New South Wales. It's your time to shine, after 20, after 20 questions, I had firmed to a dollar four. <laughs> and after 30 questions, they yeah. cancelled betting because I answered 28 out of the next 30. You got 28? Out of the, Are these general knowledge the, questions, Harry? All things, mate. Yeah. General knowledge, musicals, cars. The only ones I missed out on was cars, their logos, the front of them, you know, three oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, tricked me, they did. I, I I drove a car for 50 years, but I don't know how to start, how to uh, fix them or nothing. But we uh, done that. That's 
that's the fifth time we've won it for the home. You know, Harry, and, uh, for, for a good part of a decade, I used to host pub trivia nights and you'd know the really good teams that win every week and I can just picture you just dominating the quiz night at the nursing well, home. Well, I yeah. su- sung out the answers to the scorer and yeah. my voice started to go as it is now. But I uh, got out and I used used that pace. Hey, what? I was talking... Yeah, what's Sorry, the mate. what's the format though? So you said you sung out. Do you just yell them out, or do you write them down? Yeah, yelling word? out. The scorer here has a uh, pad, mm. and uh, it's A B C D E F. The answers, and she uh, ticks them off. Okay, what are some of those questions, Harry? Can you remember any? Oh, uh, uh, the musicals. They were easy, 10 out of 10. Photos of films that were in the 70s and 80s and 90s. That's right. You know, like Phantom of the Opera, uh, uh, Chicago, some of the... How how is Gallen going, you heard? He's struggling. I'm just following the blog here. Uh, From what I'm reading, what's being reported... uh, he will lose this on points, Gal. It's a 10-round fight. He's going to lose on points, mm. we think, so the only way to win is for a knockout, and it appears that he's trying to trying to find one. Well, I, I was with Solomon Amono. He came to visit his mum last week. Oh, yeah. And so, Solomon, I, I said, do you still want to fight Sonny, Bill, Gallon and uh, Whitaker? And, and he said, why not? Who's, who's Solomon? See, the funny thing about Solomon Hamona, he, he was a really good boxer too, H, but I thought he said he stepped out of the game because he didn't want to hurt people. I'm sure I, I read or That's heard him right. many years yeah. ago say that. So it's interesting that he entertained the thought of getting back in the ring. Maybe he just That's wants, right. wants he, to he's, a, he's as fit as a fiddle, mate. Yeah, I he bet looks he is. marvellous. I bet he is. Uh, Oh, I bet he is. I wonder how the pleasure. I wonder how the good to have a go. Yeah, well, you're saying he's still looking fitter after all these years, Harry. I wonder how the pleasure machine's looking after all these years. How old would he be? Because he only looks about thirty-five. I oh, know, it'd be older than that. He'd he be... played, played, played for Canterbury. I saw him destroy Manly. Yeah, good player. Because his children are growing up. One of his sons is trying out for South Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, he was a good player. He played for your mob for a bit, didn't he? Canterbury Bankstown, yeah. Yeah, midnight. He played for, I'm just having a look at here, he played for Manly, Canterbury, Balmain, the Dragons, Manly again, and then London Broncos. So he's been around. And and he looks marvellous. Well, he not, played... Not an in, inch of fat on him. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I, I remember when they had the, um, the Super League split and you had the Super League New South Wales-Queensland series. Hamono played yeah. all three of those. He was very good. He was very good. Mm. So, Solo, yes, heavyweight. He looks well, like he'd he fight tomorrow. my hand very gently. Hmm. Does he? Yeah. I... Uh, shakes her very gently. Yeah, really soft. You well, know what? Because he doesn't have to prove anything, way. Harry. He doesn't have to prove anything. No. No. How your dogs are going to but... go on the weekend? Well, I, I see see where Bellamy's playing uh, meany fullback. Yeah, you like him. Oh, mate, we lost him. How? I don't know how they... Lo- I told you that the other night, yeah. how 
how they lose players. 400,000. Smith was one. And his brother. Jason. Jason, yes. True, uh, the best pass you've ever seen, Jason. Yeah, wonderful Chris ball playing and, forward. Mm, yeah. We lost all of them. Well, you lost them to Parramatta, didn't you? That's Jason, right. Yeah, Dean, Jared McCracken. McCracken, and, Dean Pay, you lost yeah. as well, yeah. Well, uh, uh, Chris Anderson had the four of them sitting on the bench yeah. and wouldn't call them on to play. Mm. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. We well, now you got Matt Dufty in the one jersey. He wasn't that great That's last That's right, Matt. Matt. Rocks mm. and diamonds, Matt Dufty. Brett Naden didn't have his <laughs> best game. He's on the wing this week. Averillo. Aaron Shop, he's, he's a good player, Aaron Shop. And you got the Fox. Matt Burton, yeah. was, Matt Burton was his standout last weekend. It was a pretty underwhelming That's game, right. though, Harry, against Canberra. Mm. A very underwhelming game of football, mm. I thought. Well, well, we play at 6 o'clock, don't we, Saturday? Uh, Friday, I think you play. Friday, is it? Yeah, Friday, 13th. Well, uh, I've got the nurses here to put it on Foxtel for me. Yeah, so make sure you do that. Other one. Mm. Okay, Julian. All right, Harry. Always good to get your thoughts. Thank you, my friend. Right, mate. Rest Bye. well. Yeah. Well, I tell you, it's fifteen v sixteen. Now you think mm. if the Bulldogs want to return to the winners' circle, it'll be against the Knights, surely. But you never know. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is the text line number, gal. Let's have a look. I'll just see. I'm just trying to follow the live blog here at the moment. This is on Fox Sports. I've updated it. Tuzievsky lands to the body of Gallon in dire straits. Gallon in dire straits. Big uppercut now. Uh, it's a shot that Tuzievsky's used well at the end of the second round. He hasn't used it much, but uh, Gallon's bonding language apparently isn't positive. And a few people tweeting, and this is not just the live blog, but live tweets I've seen as well, saying Gal is in real trouble. In real trouble there in Newcastle. 0457 736 736 are on high ground. Paul Callan in all sorts of trouble. He's still standing, though, Gal. He's one top hombre. They're in the seventh round now. He took an absolute massive uppercut. As Jamie Pandaram said, eight a huge uppercut. Left hook and body shots in the sixth. Uh, Gal's looking for the one big punch. But into the seventh round now, he's charging forward. He's been pushed. He's been bullied. Point penalty, actually. Point penalty now. So he's lost a point, Paul Gallant. But Terzievsky back on top of the round and... If he doesn't get the knockout, expect this to be a loss. A loss, a rare loss for Paul Gallon. 0457 736 736, the text line. Siv, hello, Siv. I hope all is well with you. Uh, what's happening at the Newcastle Knights? They have significant losses. Do you think they can come back from that? All the best, Siv. Uh, can they? Yes, will they? I'm not as convinced. They've had a huge run of injuries. I understand that. I mean, look, if they've got their best team on the park, if they can get Milford firing, if they had Jaden Braley back, that would be enormous help. I mean, Randall works hard in defence. You know, Ponga at his peak, Saifidi, Clemmer, Frizzell. They've got some really good players. Some really good players. I'm a big fan of Inari Tuala. I think he's a class finisher. You know, Lachlan Fitzgibbon, on his best day, is very, very good. So they're not a hopeless football team. They look good early in the season, the Knights. I don't know. They're just... It wasn't so much that they lost the last three weeks and they were a bit better against the Cowboys, but the two weeks before that... Melbourne and then I think it was Parramatta. They couldn't score a point. You just thought there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. There's something not right there to put up performances at home, no less, as abject as that. 
So I think there's some problems that run a little deeper than we know about at the Newcastle Knights. But you never know. It's a beautiful town. It's a great rugby league town, and I wish them every success. And I'd like to see them. Uh, I'd like to see them performing to their very best. Good on you, Siv. Thank you so much. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Keep those texts coming in. Now it is Wednesday, May the eleventh. Let's run through the birthdays for today. Born on this day, eighteen fifty. What is it about birthdays that people love this segment? Don't they? Born on this day, eighteen fifty four. Uh, Jack Blackham, Australian cricket keeper, thirty five tests. He had four half centuries, 61 dismissals, a Victorian, born in Melbourne. He died in 1932, Jack Blackham. A lot of cricketers actually today. Redders, happy birthday to you, Redders. 1941, born this day, that a dependable Australian opening batsman. Of course, famous in the tune, Come On Aussie, Come On by Mojo Singers. The red path, good to see him back. Everyone's got lilies pounding down like a machine and the chapel's eyes have got that killer glean. And red path, what does he get? Good to see him back. Happy birthday, Redders. Uh, John Benno, Richie's brother, who was probably better known as a selector. He did play three tests for Australia, though. John Benno, born this day in Sydney, 1944. James Brayshaw, very good cricketer, James Brayshaw. Often maligned in commentary, unfairly, I think. James Brayshaw, son of Ian, played for Western Australia. He was a South Australia right-handed batsman, Jamie. It's James now. Where did he go from Jamie to James? And, of course, a, a very proud North Melbourne Kangaroos fan. It'd be fetal at the moment, given how badly the Kangaroos are playing. Uh, born this day, 1970, Dean Capabianco, Olympic runner. Sprinter 200 and 400 from 1992 and 1996. Victor Matfield, the wonderful lock forward for the Springboks. Born this day in 77. Lauren Jackson, our greatest ever basketballer. We thought she was gone. She's come out of retirement. She's toweling him up again. Happy birthday to you, Lauren Jackson, born today. 1981, a man who was a pretty decent player, born in 84, Andres Iniesta. So what are you knowing there, Malchi? Did you just go no, no, no? No, no, no. Just one of the best ever. One of the best passes you've ever seen. No, no, no. Underrated. Was as good with the ball dribbling pass players Mm. as he was a distributor. Okay. Just a joy to watch. I always knew him as a distributor. He was both. He was just, yeah. He was the was the complete package. The yin to Xavi Hernandez's yang. Yeah, okay. It's very deep for a Wednesday night. Yes. Hey, guess who else is born today? Denham Kemp. 1987. <laughs> Happy birthday, Denham. <laughs> uh, let, let me tell you this. I, I, I told it to Webby. I don't know if Webby relayed it to, to Denham. When they had, the, um, they had the OB at Wenty Legs a few weeks back on the Friday. So I popped in. It's not far from my place and had a quick chat. And Maddie, as soon as it went... 12 o'clock there, like I'd rat up a drain pipe, gone. Maddie and Webby, they stopped. And Denon very kindly hung around, chatted to some of the punters, and somebody walked up to Denon and Kemp's, did you play rugby league? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, the Broncos. Oh, Broncos, yeah, right. Did you play rugby league? Yeah. <laughs> uh, happy birthday, Denon. 1989, Cam Newton, American football quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, 2010. Caroline Panthers, uh, born in Atlanta, Georgia. In 1994, born this day, Nene McDonald. I was disappointed, actually, when he left the Dragons. Of course, he played there at the Cowboys and then went to the Dragons and the Sharks and didn't quite kick on. Uh, not a great trainer, the more reports. You know, not a great trainer at all. Uh, just an update. This is the live blog for the gallon Terzievsky fight, thanks to foxsports.com.au. Uh, Zach Rayson's writing, Gallon incredible tough, incredibly tough, but Terzievsky lands two big body shots as he steps backwards. Gallon is up on the ropes. Terzievsky leans on his opponent, has a height advantage too. Landing a few in that exchange, so 
Unless he gets a knockout, Paul Gallon. Unless he gets a knockout, that will be chalked up as a loss. Now, this sort of flew under the radar today. And that was um, the farewelling of champion golfer Jack Newton. This was in Newcastle after his death at 72. Been remembered as a great mate, a larrikin, and a family man. This is a lovely service in Newcastle. The 1979 Australian Open winner died of ill health on April 15 at the age of 72. He said at the time, I hope people appreciate, I hope people appreciate what he has done in nurturing the game of golf in this country. Jack Newton. You know, and thoughts with his family. I still call Australia home was played at the opening of his funeral, by the way, attended by about 1,500 people. That was held today at the Civic Theatre. His wife of almost 48 years, Jackie, reminisced about their amazing life together during which they travelled the world and raised a family. She said, as soon as I saw you, I knew an adventure was going to start and oh boy did it, she said. After our first date, I realised this cheeky young man was a kind gentleman that had a beautiful soul. I'll miss you, darling, Jack. He was a bugger, but he's a good one too. And of course, at the age of 33, Newton lost his right arm and die after walking into a plane's propeller while rushing back home to Newcastle after a Sydney Swans game at the SCG. And his son, Clint Newton, had told the mourners that his dad was his king of the jungle. And Clint said, put simply, he was my best friend and the dad I needed him to be loyal, reliable, tough, resilient, loving. I didn't need to look too far for my superhero. It was dad. He's had a bloody good mate. 1986 was Jack Newton established, the Jack Newton Jr. Foundation, and that has grown and developed into one of the great breeding grounds of golf talent in this country. Raised more than $20 million over the years to develop Australia's brightest young golfers. Pat Welsh, the veteran sports journalist commentator, headed the service and told the audience that the game of golf owed Newton a great debt. And truer words never spoken there from Pat Welsh, a golfer with God-given skills, a benefactor, a wonderful raconteur, a commentator with a rare gift, and most of all, Jack Newton, a bloody good mate. And, of course, he loved his Newcastle Knights. He'd hate the fact that they're not going too well at the moment. Maybe they can get one for Jack when Magic Round starts Friday night and they kick off proceedings 6 p.m. against the Bulldogs at Suncorp Stadium. Hagues was there too, actually, former Knights playmaker and coach. And Hagues was... This is thanks to the ABC. Fought back tears telling the service how much he'd miss Newton's sense of humour and cheeky smile. So farewell to the great Jack Newton. In this Paul Gallon fight, round nine, a huge round for Gal. A huge round for Gal. So leading up to that, uh, he looked gone for all money. In fact, Dan Ganane has been posting regularly on Twitter, so Gal doesn't look like he wants to be there. Terzievsky getting all the points. But ninth round, the tape was coming off both his gloves. And Gallon had started to attack, landing a host of punches. They're throwing Both of them throwing wildly. Gal thought, you know what? Last chance here. I've got to get a knockout. He most nearly did. He landed a massive uppercut. Really hurt Terzievsky. They're both hurt. Both hurt. Now, you get the sense, though, in that final round, if Gal can just get that one good shot, Terzievsky might be gone from all reports. A few people corroborating this that his, his tank looks empty. He looks absolutely gassed, Terzievsky. Can he do it, Gal? Can he do it? He looked gone for all money. But Terzievsky hurt badly in the ninth round. A few tape issues. Working hard, dancing sideways. A few boos from the crowd, apparently. A few boos from the crowd. Zach Rayson 
has just posted on the blog. Terzieski done brilliantly in this round, evading everything from Gallon. Gallon almost running over the ring to chase him. Can't catch up. Terzieski raised both hands with 10 seconds to go. The crowd absolutely hates it. <laughs> Gallon chases him one final time. Can't land. Fight is all over. So he didn't get the KO, Gal. He didn't get the KO. We'll try and bring that result to you the minute it comes to hand. But from all reports, of course, we haven't watched it here in the studio, but I'm just going off the blog. Just going off the blog, but from all reports, Terzievsky will win on points. In fact, Jamie Pandaram has just tweeted, Terzievsky recovered, played it smart, danced around the ring as Gallon chased a KO that wouldn't come. According to Pandaram's card, he's got Terzievsky winning 97-93. 97-93 judges scores are coming. So expect Terzievsky to be announced the winner over Gallon in Newcastle tonight. The minute that official result comes through, we'll bring it to you right here on higher ground, 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Now, just away from boxing for a moment, a bit of transfer news, thanks to foxsports.com.au. The Parramatta Eels, uh, they are reportedly set to enter talks with Ryan Madison's management in an attempt to retain the star back row up. He's got five clubs chasing his signature at the moment, Ryan Madison. He was really good against Penrith, I thought. And you think now with Papa Lee on his way to the Tigers... Well, surely Madison would be the man to slot into that back row position. I would have thought. I would have thought. South Sydney are playing the long game with Latrell Mitchell, reportedly forking out 50 grand. We've reported this on his US trip in a bid to display their commitment to the fullback. So that's their way of saying, hey, we love you. We believe in you, Latrell. So he's currently stateside. He's looking for expert medical advice on this hammy. It's gone to the hamstring whisperer. Hamstring and knee. Yes, this is according to South's coach, Jason Demetrio. Intensive rehab. So 50 grand. They couldn't find one in Australia, apparently. They've got to send him to the States. But maybe they didn't really need to, but show him a bit of love, send him on a holiday to the States, and maybe he'll re-sign. Maybe he'll re-sign. As I mentioned to Simon McLaughlin in the last hour, uh, the NRL 17th franchise of Dolphins, they have secured the signing of 23-year-old Connolly Lemuelu from the Cowboys. They've already signed Tom Gilbert from Todd Payton's squad. Not a bad player, actually, Lemu the former centre. Made a pre-season positional switch in the back row. Has struggled to find game time in 2022, sitting behind Nanai, Lukey and Gilbert in the North Queensland side. And he's reportedly signed a two-year deal worth 200000 a season. That's, that's a reasonable value. He's a big unit, 190 centimetres, 106 kilos. Could be one of these barnstorming centres. So there you go, he's a young player. Sits alongside the experience of the Bromwich brothers and Felice Capusi. Reading here too that Bennett's also set to chase the signature of Scott Drinkwater, the resurgent fullback. Showing his qualities following that injury to the hammer. Slotted in beautifully at number one jersey. You wouldn't think he'd give it back. Still on contract in Townsville. But if they decide to play the hammer at one and Drinkwater wants to play fullback, well, I don't know. What do they do? Maybe they agitate for a release. So, look, you know, that's all wishful thinking. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Anyway, now, as you reported on Monday, the Storm have reportedly increased their offer for Cameron Munster. There's a desperate bid to get him to re-sign with the club. Now, he's off contract at the end of 2023. It attracted a stack of interest from other NRL clubs, including the Dolphins, as you know. So the Storm tabled a two-year extension for Munster, worth 750k a season. That is, however, a big cut from the 1.2 mil that he stands to earn next season. That's the final year of his current deal. 
The News Corp reported the storm has since increased the money on offer, added an extra season to the deal. And Jack Bird, we know, is going to stay with the Dragons as well. Uh, now, results coming through. I'll just update this courtesy of the live blog, thanks to Fox Sports. All three scored it, 97-92 to Terzieski. So he is the winner. Chris Terzievsky is the winner. Stuns Australian Boxing outpointed Paul Gallon across 10, ground, 10 rounds. And now Terzievsky is the unified Australian and Australasian heavyweight champion. All three judges scoring at 97-92 from all reports. Gal uh, was outboxed in the early rounds, looked tired, almost looked like he didn't want to be there. Started to fight back. I think he probably had more petrol in the tank, but couldn't secure that knockout blow. And Terzievsky had accrued too many points. Too many points. So Gal goes down. What does that mean for his future? He looked on the brink of a stoppage midway through the fight. Didn't get it. What does that mean for Gal's future? Is that it for him now? I suspect it will be. He's 41. He's earned well out of this boxing caper, earned well out of rugby league. He's got to think about his health. He's got to think about his family. He's a good man, Gal. I think that might be it. And I think he's left a pretty decent legacy in the sport of boxing in this country. He's got people taking notice. People are forking at the pay-per-view. Because they know he's not just a name. He's not just an ex-league star with a profile. He's got some boxing chops, Paul Gallon, and he's proven that. He's Australian ranked. So whatever happens, it can reflect on his boxing career. and be very, very proud of his achievements, Paul Gallon. But tonight, you have to congratulate the winner, Chris Terzievsky has defeated Paul Gallon. Gone across 10 rounds. Unanimous points decision. All three judges scoring the fight 97 to 92. It is now the unified Australian and Australasian heavyweight champion. Early tonight wins to Harry Garside, the Olympic bronze medalist. And the Butcher, the third zoo after Kostya. And Tim Nikita Zoo won very, very easily in less than a round. 0457736736. You're on high ground. That is us done and dusted for a Wednesday night. Gee, there's been plenty happening this evening, hasn't there? Now, I'll tell you what, special edition. Tomorrow, 8 till 10 p.m. of Higher Ground. Not on Friday night because of Magic Round. Looking forward to your company tomorrow. Make sure you tune in. Thank you to Mulchie. Thank you to Simon McLaughlin. I'm Julian King. Have a great night.